0: Join Hannah Munro, Managing Director of ITAS, a financial transformation consultancy, as she interviews key experts to give you real-world advice and guidance on how to transform your processes, people, and data. Welcome to CFO 4.0, the future of finance. So hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of CFO 4.0. Now, I'm going to apologize in advance to Tony and my listeners if I get the the pronunciation wrong, but um, with me today is Tony Martinetti, who is the um, Chief Inspiration Officer um, at Inspired Purpose Coaching, which I have to say, Tony, is an amazing title. So tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, no, um, I'll just say about the title. It's one of those things you have to earn every day. Um it's not that you just kind of like put on there and say, that's great. But every day I have to kind of make sure that I'm showing up inspired and inspiring um, to other people. And so it's very important to me that title. Um so let me share a little about my background and a little bit about you know what I do at Inspired Purpose Coaching. So um we work with leaders at different levels, but most of all what our focus is is coaching and doing leadership development for um, people who are really looking to create a more meaningful impact in their lives and in their work and to lead with purpose and to find that connection with how can I have a more, more of an impact in, in work and life.
0: Um, and obviously talking about impact, obviously there's a lot of um, CFOs listening to this, hopefully have come back refreshed from the, the, the Christmas break and eager yeah. to um, to, to move forwards. But that can almost come with its challenges, can't it? Because we, you know, certainly conversations that I had pre-Christmas, there's a lot of people going, oh, I'll deal with that in January. We'll 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 postpone that. And and then everyone's coming back to obviously this massive workload come um early January. So tell us about how we can manage the the stress and the, the burnout that comes with firstly, that postponement, but secondly, with January being a particularly challenging month for a lot of people in terms of year ends, et cetera.
1: Yeah, there's one thing about, you know, um, creating that sense of like starting a new year, you know, you have all these, this mountain of to-dos that you want to accomplish. Um, The one thing you have to be careful to do is, is to create a plan. You have to be very planful. And I know this kind of speaks to a lot of the CEOs and CFOs out there who are thinking like, well, yeah, I have a plan, but make sure that you look at it from through a lens of saying, what's truly possible for me? What's truly possible for our team? And what is exciting and and really inspiring for the people around us. Um, Because if you try to do too much at, you know, all at once, it is going to be a recipe for disaster. It's going to be recipe for not just um, you know, creating a sense of overwhelm, but also burnout. Um, so the best thing you can do is get organized. I know it's probably not what you expected to hear from me, but, um, the more proactive you can be, the more structure you can create, the more freedom you can have. And the more you feel a sense of connection to the work. It's like a paradox that the more structure, the more fun.
0: Hey, you're not going to get any arguments with me, right? So I implement software for a living. So there's lots of project plans and structures that go around that, right? So I I know full well that, um, and I can agree with you more. You know, having a plan is always good. And I guess one of the challenges is ba- balancing that realism piece, isn't it? Is setting goals mm-hmm. that are actually achievable and are actually realistic. Um, and I think one of it's interesting because a lot of the conversations I can sometimes have is people understanding. What is realistic so how would you suggest yeah. people approach actually deciding whether something is realistic in the first place
1: yeah I mean when you're doing this process of planning and I'll, and I'll say it's a there's one caveat before I answer your question when you're planning this process make sure you're also thinking about this this sense of like not being too attached to your plans because planning is everything but it's also um, the plan is. Going to be thrown out the window eventually because it becomes irrelevant. Um, so you have to be detached to the, from the outcome and know that you have to pivot and adapt as the, as the year goes on, but it still doesn't make the plan itself not important. Um, and so, uh, the key thing here is to have when you're putting together those plans and start thinking about your year ahead in order to make it so that you're not getting so overwhelmed. The key thing is to think what is really possible for for one uh, of our team to accomplish if we were to to kind of think about the highest priorities, like what are the things that are the highest needs that we need to do for our customers? If we have customers or if we're pre-commercial, what are the things that we need to meet in order to be able to say that we were by the end of the year, we're going to be where we want to be? and if you can't clearly delineate those highest priorities and say that's what we're working towards then it's time to really get clear on that when you think about the um the the idea of atomic habits or those those ideas that are really the strongest driving forces in your business you want to make sure that those are the things that people have on their on their list every day from the the bottom rung of the ladder to the highest run of the ladder, everyone should be thinking: these three things are the things that we're driven by.
0: And you've mentioned three, so is there, you know, because we can often set ourselves lots of goals; they might all be achievable. Yep. But you, you mentioned the number three, so is there some significance to that?
1: Well, I mean, I think there's uh, there's a sense that three is that you know magical number that you know if you go if you try to put too many goals on the plate then you know, you're going to be overwhelmed. So it's really being realistic of what's possible. And those three are, they have to be pretty audacious in their own right. You don't want to be setting goals that are so easy to be met that it's like, okay, well, you know, we, we're going to take last year's goals and just kind of copy and paste them in and then just do that because that's going to set yourself up for mediocre results. And ultimately it's also not going to inspire because inspiration is all about, you know, moving people to a place where they feel like, wow, that, that gets me excited for what we can create. If people show up every day and they say, yeah, rinse, wash, and repeat, you know, we're taking last year and we're actually going to just repeat last year. that's not That's not inspiring. That's not going to get people motivated to want to do something over the top or exciting. So the key thing is to make sure those things that you set up for you know, that are driving you forward actually make you want to get out of bed every day. Uh, yeah. And that's
0: an interesting conundrum, isn't it? Because on the one hand, we're saying, make it realistic that people think they can achieve it. But on the other hand, we want something that's audacious and inspiring. And those two things sometimes don't quite go hand in hand. So how do you find the balance?
1: Yeah, I, it's exactly, there's, and this is, a, you, I love that you brought this up because, this is what leadership is all about. It's striking a balance between um, optimism and realism. And, you know, oftentimes people will, will accuse some leaders of being overly optimistic or overly, you know, kind of like seeing this picture that is so far up a distance that like, how do you get people to come back to the ground? The key thing is you, you have to find that connection to where you're going and where you are now. And, and, create that bridge between those two. And that's how you ground people in reality and say, okay, well, I I see this vision. I know where where I'd like to see us go. And it's not just something that, you know, is so unrealistic that it's not possible. I know we have the, the capability of doing that because I've seen it in the people around me and I believe in us. And that's a key word, the belief that we can get there if we are able to start executing on these certain things. And so then you connect the strategy of today into that.
0: And that's an interesting piece, isn't it? Is understanding that bridge between the two. So if we think about like one of the common goals that certainly I'm speaking to people about is how do we get our month end close time? down from like one of one of my customers who is speaking to or you know somebody that was looking to work with us they were saying right we're currently on 70 days and we go right where do we get them to and so I mm. guess um you know there's, there's a there's that planning part as you mentioned in terms of um figure out where you want to be so we want to be down to three days but you know almost the how we how are we going to get there and what, what's those steps going to look like
1: yeah, and I love that you bring this up because you know I'm, I'm a recovering finance professional, so uh, <laughs> I, I speak the language of finance uh, pretty fluently. Um, and I think there's a sense, you know, when you when you talk about that example, let's just say it's about really disrupting the, the thought process and saying, you know, just because that's what we've always done, it doesn't mean we always have to do that. And then you start getting people to think, well, what would it look like if we were to envision? The ideal state, a close that actually is done in less than four days or five days. Like, what would we have to do to make that happen? What are the systems, processes, or s- potential steps that we could actually um, eliminate? Because maybe we've been doing them all along this certain way, but we don't have to do them that way. What would we have to do, what resources do we need to actually make it streamlined? And also connect people to the benefit of that, the why, right? And that's the most important part of all initiatives is to really understand, you know, wh- why are we doing this? Is it just because it's a nice thing to do? Or is it because it actually creates a benefit to us? Yeah.
0: absolutely. That's that's a really nice way of putting the why. Because I like you say, people get fixated on the what without fixating yeah. on the why so you know my why is always and you know when we're speaking to one of the teams is imagine a month end where you. you don't have to work overtime to deliver on it imagine being able to take a holiday a month end time and that yeah. can be rather scary for a lot of people when they're thinking about it
1: yeah and i want to bring this back to burnout and uh you know kind of the sense of like the stress that people create you know oftentimes we think of the amount of stress that gets created because of so much to do, but we also get burnt out because we don't know what to do and where we're headed. There's an uncertainty stress um, that I think gets created and th- you know when you have a very clear sense of what you're accomplishing and you're excited about where you're headed, that drives you to want to move forward in a certain direction and it has you um, not feeling burnout but instead excitement. To move forward,
0: so let's let's shift because and that was an interesting segue. So you're talking about stress. So are there different types of stress?
1: Um, yes, absolutely. The the types of stress that show up are coming from different different places in terms of you know you could be having emotional stress that that comes from this you know different people's moods and the environment that you're in, the way people are showing up, you know, if people are dragging down your environment because of their negativity or the way that they're, you know, they're creating the environment around you, that just can bring down the mood of a a particular place. And with that environmental stress, what can happen is just simply making a small change. Let's say um, having people moving into a different space or going and working in a different place could actually change just the way that they show up and how they feel, right? When you think about the past few years, um, people working from home, it's created some positive trends where people feel like, yeah, I'm feeling a little more relaxed about how I'm working because I don't have to necessarily get up and, you know, go, go to the office and and such and such and such and deal with Maybe some of the people that they were dealing with, they didn't like working with. And then there's other parts of it, which were not so great because they felt disconnected and not so, um, not having that sense of connection to the people around them. So you have to be in tune to what are the, what's the experience with everyone around you? So that's one part of the stress. The other parts of this, of stress that you experience is a sense of like not having a clear direction of where you're headed. Um, and that has you feeling like you're just burning yourself out just to stay stuck in the one in where you are. So that is a, a stress that is more from a, a strain of, of where am I going? It feels listless. Yeah. Uh, so that's the stress
0: areas. around immobility. So it's the fact yeah. that you're feeling stress plus the fact that you don't know how you're going to either get out of it or that how things are going to change.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot of people over the past few years who have had that, that feeling of, gosh, I'm working so hard, but I don't know why. I don't know what for. I don't know what it's going to, you know, what it's leading towards. And so one of the best antidotes to that is just to, to, we all need to have, um, take a moment from time to time to have like that intentional pause, a pause where we kind of step away and say, you know, how can I check in with myself? And make sure that I'm on the, you know, in the right place, doing the right work. Is this, am I doing the work for the right reasons? Um, and it's not about quitting your job. It's about really understanding, you know, uh, am I on autopilot or do I need to like really, you know, rethink how I'm approaching my work? Um, and that might also involve a conversation with your, you know, supervisors, your bosses, and just understanding, you know, hey, like let's recommit to ourselves um, recommit the, um, recontract, if you will.
0: So you've mentioned emotional stress, you've mentioned uncertainty-based stress. Are there any other types of stress that, you know, you might see in the workplace?
1: Oh, sure. I mean, uh, there's also a sense of like, you know, physical stress that comes from the the fact that we're, you know, sitting at our desks all, a lot. We're spending a lot of time. We tense up because we're sitting, um, down and spending a lot of time at our, you know, physical locations. And so we have to make sure that we're getting out in nature and, and connecting with being outside. Um, I'm often telling people we have to just, you know, sometimes get up and go for a walking meeting. Um, and you'll be surprised at how much that releases the tension um, and your creativity. Nature is like the, the best uh, potential drug. I would call it the best <laughs> drug you could have because it allows you to really, um, you know, uh, have that stress relief that you need and it allows you to be able to have conversations that you wouldn't normally have
0: so if we if so a finance team you know or a, you know finance lead is listening to this and they're going um okay i can see where i can i know we've got some of those sources of stress in our team what are the key signs that you're at a point because there's a healthy level of stress isn't there there's like yeah there's there's a stress you know you know, you need to, some people obviously thrive in different levels of stress, but that's a conversation for us to follow up on. But how do you know that you're in an environment or creating your team is at a healthy level of stress? What's some of the signs you might see?
1: Yeah, I I guess uh, the starting point is um, for yourself. I mean, maybe we'll start with self and then we'll go into the team. Um, If you're feeling it for yourself, there's Oftentimes, you'll be looking around, um, looking at your calendar, right? Um, if you look at your calendar uh, the week ahead, let's say, and you say, well, I I really don't have any, there's no excitement about, there's nothing I look forward to next week. There's everything in the calendar is like chock full of meetings, nothing that really guts me, um, you know, really out of, want to get out of bed. Um, there's, uh, you're starting to lose the color in your life. Um, that's the warning signs that things are starting to lose their edge and you need to start being more designful of your, um, of your calendar and of your, of how you're navigating the world. And I think that most of us feel like we're it's out of our control. We just got to show up. we got to do these things. This is how, um, this is what it means to be the leader of a finance function, or this is what it means to be a leader. You just got to do the work and make it happen. But why? Maybe there's more control over how you schedule your time and you can move things around. So what I've what I've done is I've actually created this thing called the weekly spark, which is a, a weekly check in that um, I have people look at their past week and I say, well, what happened last week? What did you learn from last week that was good, bad, you know, not so great? What do you appreciate? And then as you look into the following week, what are you going to do differently that allows you to make sure that you can sh- you can show up? In your best light? Um, first of all, have you created space between meetings so that you're not just running from meeting to meeting to meeting? And have you planned something next week that you're actually looking forward to? You know, one of the best questions on that list is: um, how do you want to feel by the end of the week? Um, if the week has ended, you know, what is it you want to feel? Um, and now shifting gears to the team. You know, the key thing to be looking out for, if you see people who are basically, you know, starting to show up late, um, you know, really, you know, taking longer lunches. Or if you're a virtual team, if you start to see people on Zoom, you know, talking less, starting to like just not want to come on video, um, then you know there's a sense of disconnection or disengagement. Um, the best thing you can do is start to have conversations and just check in with them. It doesn't have to be difficult. You can just have an honest check-in and say, hey, what's going on? Like tell me what's what's happening with you. Um and you know, what can I do to help? Um, you don't have to be a psychologist and you don't have to listen to all their problems. The key thing you do is that just listen and create a space for that. Um the those five to ten minutes you give a person will make a huge difference in understanding what's going on in their lives and in their work lives that will make them feel heard and seen.
0: I love the idea of, you know, and I think, I think, you know, certainly those that um, are in a leadership position to always want to know what's going on in their team's life, but balancing that plus, you know, obviously the day-to-day stresses of actually doing your job. So how do you find the right balance between, like you say, not not being a, a therapist or a a psychologist for your team, but also, make helping them feel heard and listened to you and understanding where they're at.
1: Yeah. And, you know, what I often say uh, to people is that you have to find what works for you. I mean, not everyone is wired the same way. We're not, we don't lead as like the all in the same way. We have our own unique leadership fingerprint. And we have to tap into that style. Um, that doesn't mean that because, you know, you're someone who doesn't like to have conversations with people that you should just ignore them. No, that means you got to find your style of connecting with people that allows them to feel like, you know, you're authentically connecting with them in a way that says, yeah, okay, you know, this is his style or her tops, her style of, of, of making me feel heard and seen. Um, so find that way. Um, and maybe it's in those one-on-one meetings that you have, or if it's as a group, you just kind of create that sense of like, Let's come together and let's, you know, let's chat about what, what's what been going on this past week. What are the wins? You know, there's one exercise that you may have heard before, which I find really valuable. It's called the, the rose, a bud, and a thorn. And the rose, bud, and thorn is all about like what's going well. What's um, something that could go well. It's a kind of like a seed that's been planted that is actually coming up. And then the thorn is something that's not going so great. Um, And that could be related to any number of things. So it could be personal, it could be professional. And the great thing about that is when people share those things, you get to celebrate the roses and you get to, you know, maybe support the people who have in the thorn. And it could be something like, a, you know, lost a loved one, um, mm-hmm. just generally not feeling great because of, you know, some illness. And then, you know, just kind of seeing people more fully helps them to feel like, yeah, I'm not just uh, some robot coming to work.
0: And in terms, you obviously mentioned there are different styles. So is the yeah. different styles that you're talking about, you know, like you say, group, bringing groups together versus um, sort of tradition, more traditional one-on-ones. But are there any other suggestions that you have for, for those that perhaps aren't aren't as comfortable with those conversations or feel, feel worried about the, maybe the can of worms that they might be opening?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it may be just something where, you know, you just, it's, there's a lot of different styles that you can tap into in terms of how you lead some people are more quiet leaders, and they're not, you know, they're not big on engaging um, in, in groups, they like to do one on one. And even the one on one, it's not so much about like, you know, um, wanting to talk to all the people, maybe it's just you know, they have their direct reports and they just like to state that small group. But it's more encouraging the people on their teams to make sure that they reach out in deeper into the organization and ensuring that they're doing the work of really uh, keeping in touch. Um, or it might be a message that, you know, they write down that every week or, you know, they do like a, a message from the CFO where um, you share something in writing, if that's your style. So um, there's a lot of different ways, and, and you know what the key thing is 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 you got to kind of spend some time thinking about what is the best way I can connect with others. And the further up the organization you get, your message is not going to be as direct to people as it as it used to be. You have to amplify your message through channels. Um, so that's a very different thing than when you're lower in the in the ladder, where you you know have that more direct contact with people.
0: I see. So that's an interesting piece about talking about how styles can change, like you say, as people go yeah. up or down the ladder. Um, yeah. Are there any other changes that you see in terms of communication as people go up and down, the you know, up or hopefully just up the ladder? There's no down, no down happening. Yeah. But, you know, are there any other things that you, know, you talked about channels, anything else that people need to be mindful of?
1: Yeah, this there is something that comes to mind around this, which is to say that, you know, your words matter. Right. It's so important that you choose wisely the words that you're using in your, in, in your speeches and, you know, your messaging to people that when you're talking about, you know, where the company's going financially or anything for that matter, that you're really mindful of the impact that it has on other people because they're listening to your every word <laughs> and they're trying to figure out, what does this mean for me long term? What does this mean to me? You know, the, you know, the future of our company into, you know, where we're going. And, um, so you want to be mindful of like, what, a, what is this going to have? What kind of ripple effect does this message have? So be, um, very not cautious in the sense that it's like, you don't have to be so, um, you know, hesitant and hold back, but what you want to do is make sure that you're, you're choosing words that are going to really connect with people as much as possible. Um, and, one of the things that um, I do a lot of work around this is a sense of trying to be um, as grounded as possible. Being the calm in the chaos is one of those things where when everything's chaotic, um, the worst thing you can do is is mirror that. If you're chaotic too, like you ramp up your energy and you start to create this sense of like, oh, yeah, we got to act fast, move quickly and do things. It's better to stay calm and say, hey, you know, look, we're going to figure this out um, you know, give us time, we'll figure we're gonna come to a decision. The more calm you are, then other people are gonna mirror that. They're gonna create that sense of like, Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna panic because it sounds like we've got this under control.
0: Absolutely. And so we've talked a lot about just going back to sort of what we're talking about in terms of stress levels. Um so um so in terms of managing the team, you've obviously mentioned um yeah. communicating with your team. So you know, and I'm guessing that also helps alleviate some of the uncertainty, anxiety and stress that we talked about earlier as well. If like you are regularly communicating in lots of different ways, um, mm-hmm. we talked about people feeling hurt, but as an individual, if you, you know, you know, your stress levels are high and you feel like you're already in burnout, let alone getting there. What are some things that you can do as an individual to, to, to reduce that or to address it? And- and can you get out of burnout? Is it, you know, is, is it something you can recover
1: from? The answer is yes. Um, you know, you can definitely get out of burnout. And um, the key thing is that you have to sometimes really remove yourself from your environment. And that, that doesn't mean you have to, again, you don't have to quit your job. But what you have to do is you have to really step away and give yourself a, a real extended pause and say, hey, I need to start like really connecting with like who I am and what I'm doing and why. Um, and so, you know, I wrote a book called climbing the right mountain, which is all about, you know, navigating that path and, and making sure you're on the right path and questioning am I, is this the path that I really want to continue on? Cause a lot of us get to this point where we climb to the top of the mountain and then realize I didn't know why, I, you know, I don't like the view that I, that I see. And um, I want to, Choose a different path. And I had to, I had to give a lot of things to get here. And now, um, I have, I want to, you know, think differently. And so the key thing about this is to start thinking, what is the purpose? What is my true purpose? What do I really want? Am I doing, am I in this role because, um, outside influences told me that this is what I should want? Or is this really what I want? And that's okay. If you are questioning it, maybe it's time to, to step away and think differently. Um, or if this is something you're truly passionate about and you just lost the sensation of your connection to it, then maybe it's time to restructure your work. And that might mean giving some work to other people, um, separating, um, creating some different um, structure around your workflow. Um, because again, we're not robots. Um, we're meant to be, true human beings. And that means that we need to create some sense of like connection to joy, fulfillment, all those things need to be part of our lives. And if we get to that place where we feel like no connection to those things, then it's time to step away, reconnect and then come back. And one of the exercises I often use with clients is this model that I call, it's like expand your vision, narrow your focus. And, um, and, uh, and I'll just repeat again, expand your vision, narrow your focus. It's a, it's a great model for many things, but if you think about it from the perspective of burnout, sometimes the burnout is because we're, we're in a pattern. We're stuck in that loop, um, where all you're doing is seeing the same thing over and over again and just continuing to hit the same wall. But when you step away from that wall for a moment and see what other possibilities are available to me and that those possibilities, might be, you know, hey, I can take time off, or I don't have to do all these things, or I can let go of certain responsibilities that I've been, you know, finding myself being stuck in. And once I start seeing the possibilities, then I can narrow my focus and start saying, this is my next step. This is what I'm going to do. And that's how I'm going to find my connection to what's real.
0: So... And that's a really interesting piece, and I think there is a that there is a you know a concept of like you say burnout, and and I think the hardest bit is to recognise sometimes when your team are heading into burnout territory because it's it's always a hard line. So i I'm, I'm one of those right. I'm an all or nothing kind of person, and I will openly admit that. I will have uh, times of the year, normally it's when I've got a series of projects go live where I think, oh my God, and I can feel, you feel, get a feeling, don't you, of stress. Um, and I, I I actually quite, I thrive. I like I like challenges. I love sitting in those environments where I've got a lot going on and that people are throwing things at me left, right and centre. I'm really comfortable in that space normally. Not physically, yeah. I'm just saying, right, I don't yeah. dodge well, um, but um, I I I um, I I I don't mind a high a high paced environment and a high high stress environment. You know, it kind of comes mm-hmm. with the territory when it comes to technology and transformation. But there is a point where you 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 feel yourself on the verge, and and I you know yeah. haven't done this for twelve years. You can do that, and and it's really interesting. Is that is that that's that personal ability to spot when you are personally hitting your limits and I think that's the mm. hardest bit to go actually you know I, I just need a, you know I just need an early night I need a couple of days of decent night's sleep and I'll be fine um or a weekend off and and I'll like you say I can reconnect with my goals etc. But it's hard for people to realise that isn't it to find that point at which you're going, I'm you know I'm on the edge here. Um I might be you know d- dipping my toe into burnout territory. So yeah. Um, I guess what tips have you got for people that might be, you know, that can't spot it? They go from like, like is it zero to sixty? Go from, you know, hmm. absolutely happy as Larry to oh my gods, uh, you know, the world's about to end, uh, and I and I can't face getting up in the morning. So how do you help people find that balance in that that breaking point?
1: Yeah, and first of all, I'm just going to say uh, thank you for sharing what you shared because I think there's something about what you shared which is say you know your limits, and you, it's because you have awareness. And not everyone has that awareness. And I think that's where the starting point is, is you, you, you've got to start to become more aware of what are your, um, what are your, the, the levels of stress you're willing to take and where, where do you thrive? What are the environments yeah. that you're willing to, you know, that you really find energy in? Um, so that is important. But I think the key thing is, is to make sure that you find um, the tools that, that work for you. And, you know, you're able to kind of step away and create that, those exercises, those routines. Uh, when I say exercise, I mean like the self-care and the, the, the sense of how do I you know, make sure that I'm grounded in a way that, that works for me to come back strong when, it, when I need to. Um, so I think for, you know, the people who are not aware Look, look at your, your weeks and your days and kind of say, Hey, where am I finding myself most stressed out? And how can I make sure that I'm mindful of that? Or even just thinking about where are these things showing up? One of the things that is really, um, a great way to, to a simple way to, to not be as stressed out is to just even create a little buffer of time between meetings. Um, if you're finding yourself going from meeting to meeting to meeting and constantly just running, even a, a five to 10 minute break between meetings, um, can allow you to like reset, right? And just say, Hey, like, what is this next meeting about? Like, you know, where am I going? Like maybe I need to decompress from the last meeting. Um, especially when they're charged meetings where there's a lot of things you're doing, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of, um, different things. You need some space. So create a, um, some time for yourself to be able to. To breathe for a few moments Um, and one of the best little exercises you can use is called the stop method Um, it's it's an acronym that stands for stop take a breath observe so observe what is going on for you in that moment and then proceed and in that little exercise the stop method it seems so ridiculously easy but the reality is, um, I found that a lot of people get a lot of value out of that because in it creates just a moment between the stimulus and your response.
0: That's a really nice piece, and and I like that um, the whole. You know, I think, um, and for those of you that don't know, there is actually a tool in in Outlook. And I discovered this um, as part of my piece that allows you to automatically set start and end meeting times to automatically be on, um, to leave 15 minutes, etc. between meetings. So if you haven't discovered that tool in Outlook, I genuinely recommend it. Um, mm. But you talk a bit about, like you say, getting a breath and getting that downtime. So mm. one of the things that I discovered um, a couple of years back was that actually When I'm feeling the bird is a bird out, there's certain things in my life that allow me to switch off. So there's two things for me. You know, clay pigeon shooting. I'm just going to put that in now. I'll say shooting. Clay pigeon (laughs) shooting. Um, In case anyone thinks I'm lining up my team um, or doing something um, I should be. But also, obviously, being with my horses. And they're the two things that, for me, give me that ability to switch off and move away from work. So, how important is it that people have those non work related elements that give them that space?
1: Well, I I think you're, you know, uh, first of all, that's really cool. I love what you mentioned, especially horses. There's something about horses that really (laughs) tap into something in us that, you know, calms us down. They've got such energy. Um but I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we need to have an outlet for us to be able to feel like there's um you know a way to tap into uh our another way besides work that we can't just be you know work robots um and you know there's an activity that I do around a fun audit you know how are you actually putting some fun into your life um and when you plan for that fun, it actually becomes even more more powerful because you know you put it on your calendar and you block it off and then you start to look forward to it and that's one of the things that i learned early on is that some of the most successful executives and professionals and leaders in the world they they don't just come into the weekend you know kind of like exasperated and say like okay it's saturday um you know i know a lot of people there are saying like uh, uh who takes saturday off um but the reality is they come into on um, to their weekends and they already have it planned out for enjoyment like they're probably you know i'm going sailing or i'm you know glass blowing which is something i like to do um things like like just crazy things that they've planned but they've planned it so that it's something they look forward to all week and they know that they've got that um, okay. and I, I love that.
0: And glass phones, that's an incredible, that's a really different example. Never heard of that as a hobby, so congrats on that one. Um, Thank but you. There, like you say, it's something about the quality of your quality time. And I'm going to, you know, your quality of your downtime is so important. If you literally sit there and allow yourself to, student, I've done this, right? I've gone, I just need a weekend off. And I've literally sat there all weekend and thought about work. I might not be doing work, but it's it's kind of in your brain. So yeah. for me, I think that's such an important part of de-stressing.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like when you think about the, you know, planning a big trip. So I, I um, in August of this past year, I climbed Kilimanjaro um, and the I planned for it for over a year. And when I think about the planning process and the, you know, all the things that went into it, it actually made the um, the trip even more exciting because I had these elements along the way of like, Ah, like what kind of gear do I need, and you know, who am I gonna, you know, how am I gonna train for it? And that sounds daunting to some, but to me, it was actually exciting. It made it part of like the experience. I looked forward to it, Um, you know, the anticipation. So
0: that that's a really good point, like you say, um, and maybe that's why that you say the plan's so important for your weekends and your your downtime. Yeah, because you need to anticipate it. You don't just need to experience it. You need to look forward to it as well
1: which brings us full circle to where we started, which is to say, you know, we, you know, you have to have a vision for what do you want to experience in your life and in your work. And when you have that, it's something to work towards. Um, and then, you know, what happens along the way is sometimes, sometimes things get thrown in the mix that throw you off course, but it still gives you that anticipation, that inspiration to move forward. And I think that's the great thing about Having plans um, is—they may be broken, but they at least keep you moving forward and inspire you.
0: Absolutely, and uh, planning both your work and your your personal life, yeah, you know, yeah, brings exactly. down the stress on both sides. I suspect because you know having—I—I I, I have the most successful people that I have met have um, have the the balance right in their personal life as well as their work life. Cause you can tell when somebody brings their, their personal life to work it's always yeah. a challenge.
1: So, you know, one of the things I, I touched on earlier is this idea that structure creates freedom. And we you yeah. think about that, it really does. Um, when you put structure around things, then what happens is you're able to operate within those stru- that structure within those boundaries as freely as you want. And that might be to be creative, to, to do things that you really want within those timeframes. But it, if you don't create that structure, then you're just navigating listlessly like a boat, just kind of knocking around in the ocean. <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> so, so let's go back to where we started. And um, to sum mm. up for those um, that have um, been with us all the way, um, what are some top tips that you have for, for building resilience, both personally and within your teams to stress and burnout? How can you, how can you not only um, help people survive it and watch out for it and reduce it, but how can you increase and build resilience so that, you know, when it does happen as it, you know, sometimes, you know, certain times of the month, certain times of the year, things get a bit more stressful and you're more likely to worry. How can you, create an environment that supports both your team and you as an individual to cope?
1: Yeah. And I guess the starting point is um, to, to create a plan, um, but don't get too, too, too attached to it. Um, and that's the first turning point. Number two is I would say, make sure you're making uh, creating time for reflection. Cause when you look back and you look at the things that you've done well, and you look at the things that you've been able to, to accomplish and manage through in the past, That gives you insights as to what you can do in the future. Number three is create space. When you create space, what happens is you are creating time for you to think. Am I doing the right thing? Am I creating? Am I moving forward in the right way? Um, do I have the energy I need to, to be able to do the next thing that's on my list? Um, I guess the, the fourth thing that comes to mind is, um, Expand your vision, narrow your focus, um, you know, get expansive. Think what else is possible here? What else could I do to make this um, more effective, more um, empowering, um, yeah. more easy for me? <laughs> and then narrow your focus and, and execute on that.
0: Fantastic. And um, well, thank you so much, Tony, for sharing your, you know, your inspiration. I think we could all do with it in um, coming into January, January blues, but loads of plans potentially. So I tend to p- p- five people fall into two camps. One, they're really excited to come back because they've had a proper break and you know, a relax. Or they've, um, they could have done with another extra week and, uh, <laughs> and Christmas was not enough for them to, to get the downtime. So thank you yeah. for sharing your, your thoughts, your ideas and, you know, how you approach that with your clients. So if our listeners want to learn more about you, um, and, you know, your services, what you do, where's the best place to, to find you and, you know, any, any content that you might share?
1: Absolutely. And first of all, thank you so much. It's been really enjoyable. Um, so I, you know, I really appreciate the conversation. It's been fun. Um, the best place to find me is on my website, um, inspiredpurposecoach.com. So you can find lots of fun things there. Everything from, uh, my assessment tools to, uh, my podcast to all other fun things. And uh, another great place is on my, um, LinkedIn profile. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, and you know you can find the link. You can actually put it in the show notes if you'd like.
0: Absolutely. So, what for everyone listening? As usual, we'll pop all of those links that Tony mentioned into the show notes, so you can find them nice and easy, removing the uncertainty and the stress of uh, of getting a hold of Tony. So, um, thank you again, Tony, for joining. It's been an absolute pleasure. And yeah, to everyone that's listening, welcome back. Exciting, you know, exciting. To think about what 2023 20, holds for finance and for you and your teams. Absolutely. Thank you.